What do you call that noise? Happy Christmas! I'm Mark Fisher and I'm delighted to welcome you to not one but two festive episodes of What Do You Call That Noise? The XTC Podcast. This is our answer to the Christmas double issue of the Radio Times and we hope you can clear time for an extra helping of holiday listening. Uh, We're so happy and we want to share the secrets of happiness with you. With me today are my two cheeky Christmas elves. Merry Christmas, Mark Reed. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And Merry Christmas, David. May all your Christmases be white. <laughs> Never heard that one before. Merry Christmas, everybody. Then riding in on his sleigh all the way from Ohio, USA, is Chris Butler of The Waitresses. Merry Christmas, Chris. Hello, hello. Hello to all. Merry Christmas. Happy Christmas. And counting down to Christmas party time, it's Andy Partridge of The Three Wise Men. Merry Christmas, Andy. Am I Casper, Malkior or Balthazar? Well, Balclor sounds rather you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What's the, what's the, the, I want to do all those gags about the myrrh, you know, what good. The myrrh, frankincense and myrrh. Yeah. (laughs) Frankincense. Frankincense. We'll be pulling our crackers in a moment, but first, a thanks to the generous supporters on Patreon who include Pink Things, Humble Daisies and Knights in Shining Karma who make this podcast possible. I'll name check the Knights in Shining Karma at the end of this episode, but right now I'd like to give a shout out to one of them, Robert Lawlor, who, when he isn't saving the world as a doctor, is a keen musician. If you go to soundcloud.com forward slash Robert Lawlor, and that's spelled R-O-B-L-A-W-L-O-R, you can hear songs such as this one, Christmas Cheer. And all we want right now is here Family and friends and all we hold dear. So let me raise a glass to Christmas cheer. And I wish you well now and every year. Now a quick visit to the playground and we're off to Germany where we find Arthur and Esther, children of Rainer Fielder, talking about what makes them laugh when their first language is not English. The first question. Is it sometimes funny to hear XTC singing? Yeah, natürlich. Yeah, zum Beispiel bei Make the Gans. Der Song heißt eigentlich nicht Make the Gans. Melt the Melt the Guns, das klingt für euch auf Deutsch wie Make the Guns. Und deswegen habe ich immer gesagt, Make the Guns, Make the Guns, Make the Guns und The joke there is that Melt the Guns sounds like Milk die Gans, which is German for Milk the Goose. <laughs> <laughs> milk the Goose could be what we... Uh, what we very good, very good. What I intended. <laughs> I, have a, I have a huge <clears throat> farm just outside Hamburg. 
<laughs> we'll be milking the goose for the rest of this episode. But before we get on to all that, let's journey to Wivenhoe in Essex, where I found none other than Martin Newell. I started off wishing him a Merry Christmas. Merry lockdown, yes. Martin is well known to XTC fans as the writer of Christmas in Suburbia from the wonderful Greatest Living Englishman album produced by none other than Andy Partridge. It was absolutely typical Christmas record to record. It was a blazing hot day. We had to have the doors open. Then we had to shut them because Andy's, I do think Andy's one of these guys who loves Christmas as well, like me. So we said, we'd better try and make it a bit Christmassy. Um, he was quite strict. I think the only, uh, the backing vocals came up great. They, they just can't, you know, where they're, you know, they're quite beatly in places, which he never objects to, I know. Uh, but um, I think the only thing where I, I thought I would have changed done it slightly differently. He put this benefit of Mr. Kite type, um, very slightly distorted plinky keyboard on it. Said, These yeah. are all the stars. Do, 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 do. Um, he can be quite literal sometimes in his cake decoration. But, you know, because I was, I, I've, I've been trained subsequently by, uh, I have a penchant for going out with, with, with ladies who are artists and they usually say always, show, don't, don't tell. And, of course, everything in music industry is always tell, don't, you know, sort of like, right, we actually need the sound. The sound, we've mentioned a steamroller, we better get a recording yeah, of a steamroller. Yeah. And, and Andy's like that and I'm like that. But I think that was the only thing I thought, I probably wouldn't have made the piano quite so sort of, like, so quite wobbly. But apart from that, I mean, people genuinely seem to like that song, you know. But I'm always trying to top it, you know. I don't know if it's the best Christmas song I ever wrote, but I, I, I st I still, I'm still looking for the perfect Christmas song, put it that way. People like it because it's a kind of underclass Christmas song. When I was kitchen portering and singing in bands back in the 70s, as I sort of rushed around doing all bits of Christmas shopping, always on a tiny budget, and I looked at people arriving in their big cars and what the kind of excess that was going on, I would just get the few people in my family and something, you know, small but meaningful kind of thing. Um, and and I, it's, it, it occurred to me that I had a very small world. You know, it was kind of slightly poignant in a way. As a consumer, I was a humble kitchen porter where I didn't have much money. I would get my mum a, a box of dark chocolates, my dad a, a, a book or something like that, uh, buy my, <laughs> my brother a bottle of something. You know, it's it all happened. And I made the decorations by, you know, cutting down some, you know, by pruning some holly or something like that and sticking that in bunches in a corner of the room. And... I always seem to be with um, other people who, who did, you know, we had a merry little Christmas. That's probably my favourite Christmas song, actually. I sing that. I sing that at the 
Christmas concert went up every year. I won't do it this year because we won't do it this year because of the lockdown. But but, uh, but John Cooper Clark and Luke Wright and I and Ross Sutherland every year for 20 years do this Christmas poetry gig. And I'd play a piano at the end of it and sing Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, which I can do. It's such a great thing, and this year it won't happen. Come on, get bored to sleep. We're going. Hurry up. It was back in the bistro in the days of yore Where I washed up dishes and I mopped the floor There was Christmas drizzle, nearly never snow there was Slade and Wizard on the radio And the chef was Marcus who was my good mate While the downstairs waitress was a girl called Case And we smoked our rollies by the back door bin As the trays went out and then the trays came in Merry Christmas to you one and all Now on sale. This is just another That's A Kitchen Porter's Tale from Martin's tremendous new Christmas EP, Flowers of December. And in its portrayal of everyday lives and observation of Christmas drizzle, nearly never snow, it seems to me to be a charming companion piece to Christmas in suburbia. Yeah, that's because that's what it was. And to remember that the, I still, I still, the, I mentioned a waitress called Kate. She, like I said, everyone was going somewhere. She became quite a senior English teacher. She was at university, but when I first ever met her, and she's the same age as me, um, and Kate does not know I've written this song. Sometime she's, you know, woman of my age. Um, she lives with, you know, probably only a few streets away from me, and she's a teacher, and she doesn't know I've written this song. But as soon as the time becomes appropriate, I will just send her an MP3 of it and say, Kate, you're in this song. And the other the other person who's in in it is um, a guy called Marcus, who was one of my best mates. He was a chef, and when I was broke, he used to say, "Hey, we can't sell this food, Martin." And he, you know, he'd give me a few grapefruits that were just gone off and things like that. You know, at the end of the week, and uh, and if I got there early enough, uh, he he showed me how to quickly make. And I, I needed some food because very often I'd been doing a gig in Norwich with the Mighty Ploid, who were a glam rock band. Yeah, I looked a bit pale and pasty. He said, do you want some scrambled eggs? And you get a plastic bowl and whip it up and stick it in the microwave and give me some scrambled eggs and I'd have, you know, something to get me going for the morning. So that was uh, – and then he he died. He died of Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, it's a young man. When he was 32, I think, uh, he was just a little bit older than me, you know, a couple of years maybe older than me. And, and it was the first person I'd really known a lot and be very close to, you know, a male contemporary who died. And uh, I took it very personally. It was, that was 1984. So, so I, I got him into the song as well. And how, and how the dramas that happen when you're working in a busy restaurant, the, the, almost like there's a war raging during, during, the, during service. There's a war raging between front of house and back of house. All sorts of languages being employed and, you know, Sometimes people are in tears or they're just getting very miffed. Uh, but then when it's all over, when the service is over, it, it, the, the war is over. And at the end of it, you know, this bonding happens, you know, where the kitchen porters have gone off for a drink afterwards, even though because the tips have been good. So the kitchen porters go off to get trolleyed and, uh, you know, just 
sitting in a pub, in a quiet pub you know, and get, gradually getting soaked and thinking, bloody hell, we've got work tomorrow. We better get out. You know, it was kind of, yeah, maybe I over-romanticise it, but, you know, it was pretty good. I mean, I did it on and off for about 10 years, kitchen portering. You may work in a steamy kitchen. It's raining or drizzling out there. But at some point, as we get further into December, it does get colder, you know, and East Hill is a place in Colchester where I used to kind of live in a flat opposite a church called St. James the Great. And I would see the, the, the priest rushing up the hill, you know, with the, the wind in his face, you know. I mean, I never went into that church, but I just know that's what happened because I, I know a bunch of drunks who used to on Christmas Eve. They'd say, you're coming to midnight mass? And I'd go, no. I said, oh, it's brilliant. You want to do that? It's really special. They like candles and all the rest of it. I'd say, well, I can't really do that because I've, I've never been brought up under the umbrella of the church. So I, I know that, that the church welcomes people of all faith, faiths and none. But I just felt it was a bit rich for me to go, well, yeah, it's Christmas Eve, what the hell, I've had a drink, I'm going around there. And I also thought, what happens if I need a piss or something? <laughs> what do I do? Yeah. And I've been in the pub, so I, just, I didn't kind of go, but I, I was just writing that a lot of people did. You would see, you know, midnight on Christmas Eve, yeah, see people going up the hill and the priest going up there. So I put that in to just remind people that actually Christmas is um, – you know, a, a, a spiritual occasion. And even though I don't belong to that particular group of it, um, I respect that. And I think it's good, you know, what's what's wrong with, you know, peace and being nice to people? A lot of us like Christmas songs, you know, we'd, you know, a lot of pe people I know just just like we look they like the idea of Christmas the Christmas we get very often isn't the one we want because you know I I, I do <laughs> people say oh what did you do at Christmas and, and everyone just goes oh you know it was quiet you know I mean it's great I said well it's, it was brilliant Christmas Eve on the stop this wild aurochs burst into the place, charged the door down, the food and drink went everywhere, you know. We'd all had a, a bunch of some kind of chemical that made everything go colourful and, you know, it ended up being quite fun, you know. The police bust in and someone had painted Love is Death in big red letters on the house. I don't know who it was. But, yeah, it was great. But people don't say that. They say, they say, oh, you know, just just kind of quiet. It was quiet. <laughs> what, I, what I do usually is... Um, I like kind of cooking. I like doing Christmas Day breakfast, you know, some scrambled eggs or something and a bit of, and some kippers or something like that. You know, something, you know, where I can just sit down. And then I listen to uh, Radio 3 very often because I don't want to, you know, that I don't want the Christmas songs. But when, but before Christmas, that's when I've got the Slade and the Wizard and all the rest of the stuff on because I actually did love that stuff. And I was 20 during in 1973 and had been in a glam rock band for nine months or something like that, having been a bit of a naughty boy prior to that. And I was 20 years old and I was washing up that Christmas and the the hits on the radio were Slade and Wizard. And I think that was the best pop Christmas ever. I mean, it was fantastic. I've got, oh yeah. And the other thing that I associate with that Christmas, it wasn't a Christmas song, but it was, uh, 
Mot the Hoopals, Roll Away the Stone. That was round about that time. It was glam rocket. It's absolute crassest, most lovable. Before anybody, it transpired that anybody was, you know, doing ghastly things with children or any of the rest of it. It was just, it was great, you know. And the lager wasn't too strong and, you know, it was just right. It was a Merry Christmas. It was great. I think Christmas uh, songs can be kind of anything. I mean, right, for me, the best Christmas song of recent years Heads and shoulders above, head and shoulders above everything else, was George Michael about ten years ago. Was it a December song? I mean, that was brilliant. I would stop if I, I'd hear it in the morning on, you know, on the radio, and I'd stop shaving. You know, even the scraping of my razor. I didn't want it interfering with me listening to this song on the radio. It was. I just thought it was so good, and I think that um, go back a bit. Well, quite a long way. The song um, Come To Me, Emmanuel, I think that's probably one of my favourite Christmas hymns. It's just so old. And God Rest You Merry Gentlemen. Yeah. They've got they've got those those kind of scales in them, or what do they call them, pentatonic or whatever. And I really like them. But I think there's room for a kind of space-age Christmas as well. I think I think Christmas will expand or contract to take the ideas. I mean, I've, I, I try and write a Christmas song every year now. Yeah, yeah. and I've and I've soon enough. It won't be long now. I'll be able to put them, um, do what the Americans do. It's not a thing here, but in America, it's it's been quite the thing since the fifties, for an artist to make a Christmas album. I mean, the archetypal one, I suppose, is Phil Spector's, but but there are other people who've done them. I mean, I could probably put one together. I did one very gothic sounding one. Well, I don't mean like a goth Christmas song. I'm going to have a black Christmas. <laughs> I'm going to be so upset. Um, and we're sung by Robert Smith, of course. I write lots of different songs. And last year, if I don't want to write about Christmas, occasionally I get in that mood where I think, I'm not doing the Christmas thing or mentioning it. I'll write a song about the just the season. And But this year I've done both. This year I've written a December song and a Christmas song. First frost, look out the window pane. See the pale gold sun beckon me down the lane Where the fields lie still under sugar dust And the season turns again That's Flowers of December from the excellent new EP. And just before we say goodbye to Martin, what does he think of Christmas wrapping by The Waitresses? Oh, oh I like Oh, that's one of my favourite songs, The Waitresses. That's a wonderful Christmas song. That I remember from my Christmas portraying days. 1981, I think it was. Yeah, it would have been 1981. I remember that very well. That was one of the ones that used to come up. I thought, oh, great. David Essex had come up and I'd turn it down. You know, That's a very good Christmas song. And, I, and I, it's just good in every way. And I like the girl just singing. And she gets to the supermarket. She goes, oh, no. And it's getting, oh, no, guess what I forgot. You know, I love yeah. that. I love that. It just sounds so American. I, can, I had to hold all the pictures in my head, you know. Yeah, Very good yeah. record, that. Yeah, glad you mentioned that. And he has provided me with the world's smallest turkey Already in the oven, nice and hot. Oh, damn, guess what I forgot? So on with the boots back out in the snow To the only all-night grocery When what's my wondering eye should appear in the line of that
What do you call that noise? Chris Butler, that's a lovely endorsement there from Martin Newell. Oh, I'll say, I'll say. Um, I'm a fan of Christmas wrapping enormously. Well, look, I'm just delighted to virtually meet you, Chris. Oh. Because I'm delighted to meet everyone else, but I'm, I'm delighted especially to meet you because Thank your you, song sir. Christmas wrapping is and was the soundtrack for the Partridge household for the last 25 plus years. Sir, you know, you said that uh, in, a, in a post last year and it made my, um, well, everything. Thank you very much. Um, it's completely true. It's completely true. That, that, that's, uh, that's wonderful. That record goes on and that's it. It's like on repeat for, for days. Oh, that's fabulous. That's, you know, we, I, I, I'm, I'm going to try and stick to the topic, which is going to be very hard because I'm such a fanboy. And, and we have. Well, we've intersected in strange ways. Um, our band, Tin Huey, when we were in Akron and we were on Warner Brothers, when we flopped, everybody moved to the New York area. And when you were recording Skylarking, our drummers, Stu Austin was your minder in Bearsville. And we have another contact through our Stevie Moore and uh, various other and sundry. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop because it's like, I, I'm just going to gush. We, well, funny we, enough, I was talking uh, to somebody about our Stevie Moore just yesterday. Yeah. He, he is the Henry Darger of home recording. I've, I've recently got in a big way uh, to this naive artist called Henry Darger or Darger. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And, and, Isn't he wonderful? Isn't he wonderful? Yeah, totally. Oh, my God. I, I saw, I saw, um, I was in Warsaw visiting a friend who was a Rhodes scholar, actually an old landlord. And they have this amazing art complex, which is an old castle. It looks like a, a Welsh, a perfect white square a castle and they have art exhibits and they had a henry darger exhibit in there and the way they had to display his work because he was so poor he painted he painted on both sides with the pieces of paper and and do you know the story that you know he died and then his landlady found all this stuff yeah. uh, and a, an asian woman yeah well they had to display his work you know suspended from wires from the ceiling so you can see both sides mm -hmm. is that a is that an amazing yeah, it's 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 great in the same way that it's troubling and naive and yeah. unusual and there's so bloody much of it just like our stevie yeah. moore yeah yeah i want to know the story of christmas rap i'll give you the the, the 10 cent tour uh our band was uh, on a, a label called ze records uh ze michael zilka being the 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 zed in 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 the name and um he had a roster of very uh, very odd people um he had like, alan vega from a suicide and lydia lunch we're not we're not we're not we're not talking in general warm warm fuzzy people well in in like July of, of 1981, he came up with, he said, oh, Chris, um, I, I have a wonderful idea. Uh, we should be, uh, why don't we get all our artists together and make a Christmas album with all our artists? And I go, because we were on the road uh, trying to hump, I know what boys like, and the song had kind of stalled. <clears throat> so we were playing every college town and needed this like a hole in the head. And, and, and I really hoped that he would forget the idea. 
But come, come September, he said, oh, Chris, I have booked you with Electric Lady Studios uh, to record the Christmas song in two weeks. And okay, all right. So got to come up with something. So take a little bit of this and a little bit of that and, and uh, you know, grunted to a tape recorder of the parts and, um, you know, okay, we, okay, I need a story. I need a story. I need something, you know, about, you know, I'm frantic right now. Christmas is no fun for me. I had a bad family upbringing and I'm in New York and I was a freelance writer and everybody hangs up the phone December 1st except me because I'm, I'm living hand to mouth. And so I have to take all these deadlines that are really fast, you know, so everyone else is having a jolly good time for Christmas and I'm working away. It's, it's no fun. I'm a Scrooge. I don't want this. New York is wonderful in Christmas time, but, but I can't put myself in that head. It's August, but um, okay. All right. Um, Work, 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 come up with something. Oh, Henry Twist, um, uh, get that uh, franticness about not wanting to do it in there, blah, blah, you know, all these little parts. And and then, okay, how am I going to end this thing? Well, oh, we need a, you know, it's so cynical. We need a, you know, an oh, Henry Twist ending, you know, a, a it'll all work out okay ending. And scramble, 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 literally finishing the lyric. I know it's a cliche, literally finishing the lyric in the taxi cab over to the studio, riding on a legal pad. And um, we had rehearsed the backing track. We were a very good band. We were uh, very, very good players. So, uh, and, and very pro, very dedicated. So even if this was gonna be a one-off, we definitely you know, put some effort in, our, our, our best effort into it in terms of the arrangement and all this. And I had little bits. I had a, you know, baseline, but that's it. You know, Tracy, you're a genius. Take this and run with it. And I had a horn line that was supposed to be like a Salvation Army band break, you know, because on the street corners of New York, you have Salvation army donation buckets and brass bands everywhere and okay so that we need a you know mars here's this horn line orchestrated please okay so we go to the studio there's a wonderful producer engineer uh, on staff michael frondelli and we got along with him great and we had a you know three days to do this which was I guess pretty generous, really. So we did our our our, our backing track, and I I was a Fender amp guy, and I had never played. I was poor. Uh, I never had anything you know classy like an AC30 or a Marshall, but they had a Marshall there, and um, I plugged in a, a blue box guitar, which I still have, and out came this glorious roar. I thought, oh, okay, I'm hooked. So that took care of me. And Patty, our singer, was looking at all these pages going, Jesus Christ, it's okay, we'll stop, we'll punch in, you can catch your breath. And uh, we, did, we did our backing track rather quickly and then spent a good, a good day trying to wedge her in and giving her oxygen spaces to, to get all these damn words in this thing. And uh, we were able to do it and mixed the, uh, on the third day and turned it in, said, you know, we're done. Okay, back on the road and, you know, forgot about it because we had done our bit and the matter at hand was to try to promote our single. Well, we were in Rochester, New York, playing at a club, and I called my girlfriend in New York and said, hey, you know, I just checking in. And she said, man, you are all over the radio. And I go, ah, finally, all this humping. I know what 
always like, you know, uh, finally it's paid out. No, no, it's your Christmas song. Christmas, oh, that, that, really? Oh, uh, okay. So we learned it at Soundcheck and played it and it stayed in the band's repertoire until we collapsed and burned. But um, that's, that's, that's the story. It came out on, it was actually done before our album came out. Uh, it came out on a ZE's Christmas, a Christmas record, but doggone if, 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 if the radio stations didn't pick up on our song and it broke in New York and Boston and then, and then Washington DC. And it has never uh, ceased to amaze me because uh, who knew? I just love the fact that you recorded it and forgot about it. Yeah. Yeah. Done. Uh, you know, yeah. We, we, yeah, yeah, exactly. It, 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 you know, on one hand is a toss up, but on the other hand, no, 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 because uh, you know, it was the opportunity to record and 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 we were trying to be as professional as possible so so you know we we tried to make a good a good thing but we didn't think much of it how and, do you feel about it now do you still fond of it do you resent it you know i i am kind of over my scrooge phase many years ago <clears throat> but that doesn't mean excuse me <clears throat> that doesn't mean i won't be at the mall or something buying something for someone who I don't really like, but I've got to give them a gift or something. I'm all grumpy again. And God damn, that song comes on the radio and it, you know, it's like I paid it forward to get me out of my crappy mood. And, uh, you know, it goes, ah, oh, come on, man, lighten up. I, I got to tell you over a car radio on an FM station with all the EQ and compression that they have, boy, it roars. It just roars out of, out of the speaker. I'm, I'm kind of impressed, I have to say, at a later, at this yeah, later date. Yeah, the Stooges with tinsel. <laughs> the Stooges. Oh, please, please. May I quote that, sir? I'm going to write it down. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> the Stooges with tinsel. Well, it died. I mean, it, it, it had a couple of years, and then it went dormant. It was fallow period for maybe a good 10, 15 years. And well, it I can you, it haunts our house every... <sighs> In fact, I made a list, a vast mass of paperwork here. Um, <laughs> I made a list of, of all my favorite Christmas things that get played to death at Christmas. But we'll come to that in a while. It's funny because uh, you know, the, the Christmas wrapping is more popular in the UK than here. I mean, it gets played, but boy, um, UK is, is you know, uh, uh, thank you. You're, you're keeping me in ramen and... Um, you know, pretzels I, uh, through the year. I really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, hardly living the high life, but it does does pay the bills. And how, how you. did you get Patty to approach the the vocals? Because it's basically a short story, isn't it? To the, yeah, it so. is a short story, and it's double tracked, and she's out of tune because she didn't have any time to rehearse, so we had to double track it to kind of get it, get it. But it was it's very much. I think uh, that's one of um, the feeling things. About yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Double, double tracking speech that's yes. really blurred. And, and yes, yes, exactly. And it covers the clams, but that's what the wonderful tool of double yeah, tracking is. It's an effect you can't plug in. You just have to do it. Yes, yes. And and she's a trooper. She was a trooper and, and uh, you know, and, and got it. And, you know, it took, it took a minute, uh, you know, to, 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 to finish it. But it's like page is page, you know, and... Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, it's a short story. Particularly in this case where you've you've got so many syllables to get into. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We're spending this one all along. She said, Nita, make this year's been crazy. I said, (laughs) where are you? I said, you come and punch. Cranberries too, and suddenly we laughed and laughed. Punch, very happy ending. Yeah, it's it's urban Dickens. It's great. It is urban. It is urban. And can you tell me why the why people in the UK like it? <laughs> well, because... I can tell you why I was attracted to it was oh, flatter me, sir. Please. Okay, that that mid tempo thing is great, but. It's the the brass scribbling across the the four four. The ba ba da ba ba da ba ba da 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 da. Yes. 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 You got it. Oh, you're the only one. You're the only one. When I play it live with people now, we can't do that. We have to play it da 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 da. I know. I know. I know. You're right. That's that's Mars. They 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 drop a safety note. It's like it's like skating. What's that big skating thing in New York? What's the plaza? No, uh, what's the uh, the skating? Open air skating. Uh, open air. Uh, you mean like? Well, there's plenty. There's the Woolman Rink. There's um, um, uh, Rockefeller Center with yeah, the ice skaters. Is that it? It's yeah. like somebody skating around that. Yeah, skating. Yes. Yeah, Rockefeller yes. Center has got straight edges, and there they are, kind of. Just getting yes. right across those straight line kind of that's yes. that that to me was the first ooh. You know? Yeah, right, right, right. And I, you yeah. get the lyrics and you think that's a good tale. I agree, I agree. They drop a 16th note and then it winds up, it winds up on the one at the end. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, can I do it with with well I think I even borrowed that for a song uh on oh. Star. Uh um You and the Clouds will still be beautiful, which is threes over fours oh so yes. i think subconsciously that you know yep. you, you, i never steal consciously no no capiche you subconsciously well i try uh, to you know i i have i have and i hate the word influence but i i do like the word inspired i could say that um many an xdc song has <clears throat> similarly inspired me to pinch i mean i mean, I mean appropriate i mean yeah, um, no it's it, it goes it's it's a two-way street it's a thousand way street you know well, it in the folk music tradition sir yeah yeah thank you for 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 spotting that because very few people now, that was my on. entry into it was yeah, was yeah it slips it slips out of time yeah, the crazy that winds up on the one. Yeah, the crazy skating brass. Yeah, yeah. Would you say that something like that is also it also explains why people want to listen to Christmas songs over and over again because there's something slightly odd about it. You can't quite get it straight. You might not be able to say it as as, as articulately as Andy just said it about fours over threes, but there's something about it that that's unresolved or whatever, and it makes you want to keep on going back to it. That is a big thing with any song. If I hear something that I can't grasp, I want to hear it again. I, I need to hear something I can grasp on first listening in a song because that's the initial lifeline. But I need mystery and detail. Mm-hmm. If you don't get mystery and detail, forget it. I, I'm never coming back. You know. I never would have known from XTC Records. I never would have known. <laughs>
Oh my. Um, but still now, please tell me as the representative sample at the moment of why this is popular in the UK. I mean, it's a New York story. It's not the Pogues, obviously, you know, which, 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 which takes a different turn. Um, uh, well, I will, I will I'm tell you. I'm going to be blasphemous and say I'm not crazy about that, that uh, the Kirsty and Pogey thing. Ah. Is that, is that really blasphemous? Would that make the baby Buddha cry? <laughs> why, 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 Andy? I don't know. It just never, just never struck me. You know, some, some supposed great works of art never, never did anything to me. Well, you know, Mona Vita, yes, okay, but I much prefer you know and then you know it's not a particularly up it's a great to me it's a great yarn and and interesting but it's not particularly uplifting you know Uh, i just uh, never i just never took to that which is a shame because i kind of like the essence of the pose uh and i like a good half a dozen or more things that that kirsty did um but that that christmas song is not it's not one on the holy writ. <laughs> <laughs> the holy writ. Well, I want to be saved and uplifted and, and drag that out of my mood. And that just reinforces, yeah, my mother was drunk at Christmas. Yes, thanks, Bill. One of the things that Martin Newell was saying about the popularity of his song that Andy produced, Christmas in Suburbia, is that it's about ordinary people. So people just like think... Oh well, I, I can. I live in suburbia. I can recognise that. That that could be me. Don't look for any bass on that track. I think we ran out of tracks. You ran out of bass. It was an eight track ADAT, and I think we did it on seven. And the other eighth track was a was a MIDI time code. And so, don't look for any bass on on uh, Christmas in suburbia. Ah. Um, no space. Wow! Wow! <laughs> Wow. It's a little smutty, you know. It's not for tender ears. I, I yeah. you know, I, I, I like, I like it. It's great. It's great. It's great. I think one of the reasons why it's so popular in the UK Christmas wrapping is because of uh, heresy, but a lot of American rec- uh, Christmas records they kind of imply you should have a fifty-foot Christmas tree with lots of tinsel and lots of sugar and lots of cakes, whereas as I said earlier, Christmas wrapping is more of a Dickensian thing. It's about real people. And, and the, the happiness at the end is just making a connection. You know, it's not having 50 members of your family around and having the best Christmas ever. It's just having a decent Christmas. One little achievement is all yeah. that you needed. And oh, I think thanks. in the UK also, there's the, the feeling that uh, once you hear it in the shopping mall, then Christmas has arrived. Or oh. you get a nice warm feeling that it's not it's, it's round, round the corner. Exactly. Wow. Wow. But wow. it's not the nature of kind of every Christmas song. It's like, you know, so, some of them you hear and you think, oh, no, Christmas is gone. No. Ah, and Paul, Mac- you hear, Paul McCartney, Paul McCartney. Hey, don't <laughs> you see, because I really like simply having one for Christmas time. I really like that. Did you hear the story about Greg it's Lakes? Was it, I believe in Father Christmas. Is it Greg Lakes? All right. Um, oh, Father Christmas, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Which is um, pictures of Lily, which is the chord changes to pictures of Lily, which I, or it's the other way around. Wow. He, Pete, Pete, Pete grabbed uh, the chord changes for Father Christmas and made pictures of Lily. I'm not sure chronologically which came first, but 
because there was a piece in a paper that said that he made enough money off that record to basically live a very good, made a million pounds a year just off that one record. He is also the the, the punchline of, um, the, the, what's that gag? What's the three things you never want in a recording studio? Earache, headache, and Greg Lake. <laughs> I, every every year, I, the Guardian runs a thing about you know Naughty Holder. You know, I made four hundred and fifty quid off a thousand quid off of this. Well, I don't know about that, but well, maybe because his his is much more of a world. That's more of a world hit, and mine is regional. Um, Greg Lake wrote into the paper and said that it doesn't make a million pounds a year, contrary to what the paper had reported. However, he has sent his children to some very nice schools or something to that effect. All right, good enough, fair enough, fair enough, you know, and yeah, yeah, okay, good, and and good for him, and good for him. Hey, should we dive into, should we do some lists, should we go do a round? Yeah, we could do, yeah, um, yeah. So why don't we do that? Because underlying that question, though, Andy, is that you are a fan of Christmas songs. You like Christmas songs. I do. I, I can't help it. I mean, especially these mm. days. Shall we? Let's do a round where 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 we each each pick a song and kind of talk a little about it. Sorry to interrupt. Keep listening to the second instalment of this Christmas double edition of What Do You Call That Noise, the XDC podcast, as Andy and Chris take us through some of their favourite seasonal songs. Coming up in the next part, you can hear about a Captain Beefheart song that never was, The Secret of the Zippy Zither, and John Leckie's outrageous story about being in the studio with Phil Spector. Thanks to Martin Newell for talking to me in this half. You can find out more about his fabulous Christmas EP, Flowers of December, at www.cleanersfromvenus.com. I strongly recommend that you do. Thanks, as ever, to the podcast's Patreon supporters, including the following Knights in Shining Karma. Matt Anderson, Terry Arnott, Dan Barrow, Matt Bell, Kevin Burt, Liam Duggan, Jamie Dunn, Helen Fay, Robert Graham, Robert Lawlaw, Dennis LeCourier, Liz Lynch, Amy Parkinson, Murray Meikle, Kevin Murray, Karen Neal, James Newell, Mark Reed, James Reimer, Simon Slatehome, Michael Sutcliffe, Nigel Waller, and William Wilstrom. If you'd like to be a supporter of the XDC podcast, and why wouldn't you, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash Mark Fisher. Back in a minute. What do you call that noise? Head to xdclimelight.com where you can buy my two XTC books. First, there's the XTC Bumper Book of Fun for Boys and Girls, which is an anthology of Limelight, the XTC fanzine I made from 1982 to 1992. We had a couple of lifelines to the world and, and Limelight was one of them. So the book is the XTC Bumper Book of Fun for Boys and Girls. It's stunning. It features new interviews with XTC members, including Dave Gregory. So I just took a deep breath and thought to myself, well, I wonder how long this is going to last. I'm going to enjoy it as long as I'm here. Colin Moulding. That mixture of bittersweet is more powerful than all one flavour. Terry Chambers. We enjoyed each other's company as much as sort of playing. And Andy Partridge. So how did I go from being an illiterate <laughs> peasant to being a well-read peasant? It's a big... Thing and you can hold it and you can pick it up and you can open a page and go, oh, right, here we go. We've got some uh, some letters. You know, it's just a delicious thing to dive in and out of. Thank you, Ian Lee. And then there's What Do You Call That Noise, an XTC discovery book, where you'll find more from the band, plus commentary from musicians, including Anton Barbo. For me, it's just simply a life-changing song. 
Anne McHugh. It's like a painting by Van Gogh. Jason Faulkner. XTC probably made the most impact on me of, of any band that I can think of. Chris Butler. If there's anything more classic XTC, e, 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 this is it. And Rick Butler. It was well produced as well. It had the support of a great producer. I mean, it really sounded strong. Order your copies of both books at xtclimelight.com. It's a paper and ink net, the internet with, with added staples.